What up, Ring Crew Army, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and today is a beautiful day in the land of podcasting. I am so extremely happy that my video, if you guys do not know, head over to youtube.com forward slash Square Circle Podcast and make sure you subscribe to the Square Circle Podcast over on YouTube to watch my amazing video that discusses Jay White versus David Finley for the New Japan Cup and see who advances. I do know that the New Japan Cup is already over and I know who the winner is. However, going back and watching that video would be greatly appreciated as it is now 338 views. I was not expecting it to get up to 338 views and counting. So thank you guys for watching that video, sharing it on social media platforms, giving me some feedback, giving me some likes. And again, make sure that you're following the Square Circle Podcast on YouTube with notifications turned on so you can never miss a video from yours truly, Marie Shadows. And while we're on the subject of Jay White and David Finley, let's talk about the rest of the New Japan Cup. So after that incredible match, the New Japan roster heads over to Sendai, where we get treated to a six-man tag. On one side, we got Bullet Club members Jay White, Kenta, and Yujiro taking on Tanahashi, Okada, and Ibushi, which those three are definitely dubbed the Dream Team. They really do look like superstars in the ring. However, there's a little bit of tension that happens in this match. Okada is not fond of teaming with Ibushi on the same side. And Okada has made it known in his backstage comments that he is not entirely happy with Ibushi unifying the two titles. And eventually, it will be Okada versus Ibushi down the line for that single title. But then again, we don't know what's going to happen on April 4th. So for the time being, Ibushi is still our double champion. He is still the god of New Japan Pro Wrestling and also the devil that makes all the wrong decisions. And Okada definitely wants to get back into the title picture because Okada loves to be the face of the company. And I think after fighting evil and going through the motions, he wants to be back at that number one spot. So definitely the seeds were planted in this match, as you could definitely feel the tension between Okada and Ibushi, where Okada didn't want to tag Ibushi in, and then Ibushi would tag Okada in in a very disrespectful-esque way. However, the most interesting thing in this match is that during the middle of the match, an earthquake decided to happen. That was the most bizarre thing to ever witness on a live wrestling show. And I know it was a bit of a trip for every guy involved. Luckily, no one got hurt and nothing in the building was broken. All the structure was sound, even though it was a 7.2 earthquake measure and then the tremors and the ripples reached tokyo and tokyo got a 5.2 and yeah if it was me i would have definitely freaked out but luckily all the guys were safe jay white doing jay white things by taking all the title belts to protect the title belts during an earthquake this guy is such a star that no matter what he does is gold and it's just to prove the point further that the title belts definitely look great on Jay White. So it's been about 20 minutes that ever since the match has stopped and our wonderful commentators, Kevin Kelly, Chris Charlton, and Gino did a wonderful time keeping the peace and entertaining us for the 20 minutes that 
it sort of took to make sure that the building was okay, to make sure that people were okay. And in the ring as well, you had the dream team posing for pictures just to calm down the fans. The fans were amazing. They stood in their seats. If it was here in America, everybody would have trampled over each other. And then we would have got the news on it and media on it. And they would have been like ratings day, but Japan knows how to handle their shit. Luckily, Again, nobody was hurt. So after everything was done, all the checks were fantastic. Bullet Club comes back out. And that's where Jay White shows off all the belts. And they proceed with the match. And towards the end, Ibushi hits the Kamigore on Yudro. And the Dream Team picks up the victory. Now for post-match... Ibushi definitely seems very confident in the fact that he's not going to be facing Jay White in the New Japan Cup. As we know who the winner is, and the winner is Will Ospreay, and I'll definitely get to Will Ospreay a little bit later in this podcast episode. However, it's both Ibushi and Tanahashi standing in the ring, so proudly wearing their championship titles on their shoulders. And Jay White just looks past Ibushi, JY would definitely get his time with Ibushi in the ring, and that's if Ibushi can maintain being champion. However, he looks past Ibushi, and he has his sights set on Tanahashi and that never championship belt. So let's get to some JY backstage comments about that. As much as I've advocated on this podcast that unifying the titles is still a bad idea because I'm looking at it from a creative standpoint for all the new lions that are going to be coming up. And once they're done with their excursion, they have something to go after, especially in building up their reputation and building up their storytelling abilities. I'm all about if you can tell a good story, then, you know, you should have something to fight for. I know not every story and not every match should have a championship tied to it but then again sometimes the championship makes it that much more worthwhile to be invested in because if you're just there with a simple story that doesn't grab attention and there's nothing to really fight for it or nothing really at stake to where it could be life or death or you got to choose this or that it may fall flat for the young lions that may come back from excursion And they may not have the same veteran tactics as veterans who made a legacy on doing great storytelling, if any of that makes sense. Anyway, Jay White is correct when he said in his backstage comments that if he were to have won the cup and face Kota Ibushi on April 4th at Rigoku and take that unified championship and then wanting to split it back, he's going to go back into the past rather than moving forward. Technically, it wouldn't be moving anything forward. It will preserve legacies. And that's what both him and I agree on. And the rest of the wrestling world agrees on is that legacies should be preserved. But then again, this might be my old school way of thinking of professional wrestling because I love talking about the greats that have come before every other wrestler. And then we could have those debates and see which one was the best championship holder, which one had the best story during their generation and during their time in the wrestling business. Now that Ibushi wants to create a new title, he's going to be the first of everything. 
So we're not really going to have much of a conversation. And this is where JY brought up the point of that he wants to become the first ever quadruple crown champion. So what that means is in Jay White's amazing career, he already won the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship title. He took that from Kenny Omega. When Kenny Omega was like, hey, come join Bullet Club. Jay White was like, nah, I'm not going to join Bullet Club, but I'm going to take that belt off of you. And that's what he did. After that championship title, he went right after the IWGP Intercontinental Championship title. Got that belt for a little while. And then after that, he went after the IWGP Heavyweight Championship title. And now he wants to add the Never Openweight Championship title to his collection. Thus, he would be the first person to have all four titles. And we get to continue to talk about his legacy, even as both of those titles are now combined into one. And Kota Ibushi walks around with a world IWGP Heavyweight Championship title that he could take anywhere in the world and defend it as a champion should. However... Jay White being the smart wrestler that he is, the smart guy that he is, wants to still be talked about in any of these debates. And by him challenging Tanahashi for that never championship title that he never really held, he is confident that he could definitely take it off of Tanahashi and have it around his shoulder. Jay White even starts playing manipulation games to Tanahashi in his backstage comments by saying that Tanahashi's pride is his downfall. And Jay knows that because Tanahashi is such a prideful guy, of course he would accept Jay White's challenge and put up that never championship title on the line. Now, switching over to Tanahashi's backstage comments, because he does have an answer for Jay White. It is definitely not the answer that we all are expecting. Tanahashi did not give a yes or a no but he did mention that Jay is young and he's hungry to grab all the titles that he can, which is acceptable. But then he said at the very end to get some advice from his senpai, obviously meaning Gato, and continue to say a fickle man won't ever be popular. Now, Tanahashi and Jay White's ideology of wrestling are probably completely different in the fact of that Jay White does Jay White things to get what he wants and the path that he wants and whatever he says, it does come true, even if there are some setbacks that doesn't allow him to get fully to his destino. But his destino has never been a straight path. It has always been he does go straight in the path and then some shit happens and he has to find another way around the obstacles that are given to him. That is what makes Jay White different from any other wrestler in New Japan Pro Wrestling. The fact that he can at times think on his feet and then sometimes he has to plan things out to make sure that when he gets to that end goal, everything was set in place, everything was meant to be and all the pieces are in there. Currently, Jay White has a lot more obstacles to get through before he wants to really face Ibushi for that unified championship title. So, he needs to put David Finley into place. And then he also wants to take out Tanahashi to get gold on his shoulder. And this is just the way that Jay White does things. Everything will eventually make sense once we get to a Jay White versus Ibushi match down the line in this year of pro wrestling. But 
is JY really fickle? No. Just because JY has some setbacks and doesn't want to really take on Abushi as of yet or even attack Will Osprey to try to injure Osprey further so that way Jay could jump in his spot, which could be a possibility that could have happened, but I don't think that'll be right. As much as Bullet Club does underhanded tactics and are destructive inside and outside the ring. That technically won't be a good look for Jay White. Jay White does everything under the radar while telling you what he's going to do. It's like a magician that says, hey, focus on my right hand while my left hand goes and does something else. And then when that surprise happened, you're like, oh, I focused on the wrong thing. And therefore, Jay White automatically gets what he wants and push forwards his agenda in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So I do not think that Tanahashi is right in thinking that he's fickle and he won't ever be popular. Jay White is way over than most of the people there. So Jay White is doing something right. Tanahashi is definitely the veteran. He came up during the dojo system. He still helps out when needed and definitely he carries the company when needed as well. I just think that we as fans can definitely see and feel that Tanahashi doesn't still have that presence like he once has. Obviously, the Japanese people will regard him on the highest pedestal. But if you really look on the surface level, it seems as if that popularity of Tanahashi is definitely dying out and is slowly dying out. And therefore, there's new hungry wrestlers in New Japan Pro Wrestling that want a shot at that never championship title at the unified championship title at the other titles and they want to make a name for themselves and they want to secure their legacies within new japan pro wrestling like when i watched jay white versus tanahashi during the new japan cup as much as it was a good match it was definitely something off about that match and it had more to do with tanahashi's style and that might be because i haven't really watched a lot of current Tanahashi matches but I know that that match in retrospect looking back on it it needed something more other than who could do the best and as many dragon screws in that match Jay White did everything that he could in that match the same thing with Tanahashi but it was definitely a slower paced match and you could definitely see that Eventually, with time, Tanahashi is definitely going to have to retire or at least slow down and become a coach to the Young Lions. And that's not me wanting this to happen because Tanahashi is a legend. But at the same time, how are you going to have high profile caliber matches if you're wrestling Jay White, who's obviously younger and faster, if you want to wrestle with Kota Ibushi? I'm surprised that their tag team meaning Abushi and Tanahashi was really good for the time. I just think that eventually Tana may have to call it quits or at least slow down. That's why I didn't understand why they gave him the never championship title, because you could definitely see on this tour, it was definitely taking a toll on him, especially when he was giving his backstage comments. And I'm just like, there's something up. I'm not exactly sure what it is, and I would never want a wrestler to just retire because I'm like, hey, it's time. It's just based on 
performance and how well you handle yourself during backstage comments, it might be time to think about slowing down. And this isn't me trying to knock Tanahashi. I respect Tanahashi so much that this is just a concern more than anything else. So Tanahashi did not say yes or no to Jay White's challenge, but you all know that we're going to be getting a Tanahashi versus Jay White for that never championship title. And I think that's when Tanahashi is going to drop the belt to Jay White. So I combined March 20th and March 21st matches and backstage comments together. While we're still on the same topic, let's switch over to Will Ospreay taking on David Finley. Will Ospreay took on David Finley on March 20th, and that was one hell of a match. David Finley is definitely a wild card of a wrestler, and he's picking up steam. He's picking up momentum. He's one half of the Impact World Tag Team Champions with his tag team partner, Juice Robinson. And he gave Osprey one hell of a match. The only thing in this match is that the momentum shifted once Will Osprey threw David Finley over the top rope and David Finley landed very awkwardly against the barricade. He somehow hit his ankle and that just changed the momentum of the whole entire match. The cameramans were not in a very good position, but judging on B Priestley's and Juice Robinson's body language. It was definitely a really nasty fall where Finley could have really been hurt and the match would have been over. But Finley mastered up the courage and the strength to get back into the ring to finish out the match. However, Will Ospreay did get the victory over David Finley, ending that Cinderella story and moving on to face Shingo in the finals. Before we jump into Will Ospreay versus Shingo, I want to go back into New Japan Cup and talk about Will Ospreay versus Zack Sabre Jr. And I didn't get the chance to really dive deep into it. I do have my show notes, but I will not be going over the play-by-play with you guys here. The match is already done. I did want to make a couple of comments about it. That match is definitely match of the year for me. It's one of the contenders for match of the year. Let me just say that because I'm going to be making a list soon of all the great matches that New Japan Pro Wrestling has given us and other matches I have in my notebook of wrestling to see which ones are match of the year and which ones are month of the year contenders. Anyway, Zach Zabra Jr. versus Will Ospreay was a clinic and the story was told perfectly where Will Ospreay is definitely correct in the fact that Zach Zabra Jr. usually takes out his opponents in really record time. The fact that Zach Zabra Jr. went a good, maybe I think it was 20 minutes against Gabriel Kidd or a little bit longer showed that he obviously wanted to have Gabriel Kidd show his stuff. And I've been praising Gabriel Kidd on this podcast and even on Twitter as well, that he has been a gem and he has been evolving and mastering his craft that he's getting there. He's going to be a really great talent for New Japan Pro Wrestling. So you guys should go out and support Gabriel Kidd. And in that match between Gabriel Kidd versus Zack Sabre Jr., that was a really good one. I really enjoyed that. And I was hoping Gabriel Kidd would get the upset victory, but nope. Zack Sabre Jr. managed to get the victory over him. 
And Will Ospreay pointed out that you would have beaten the young lion a little bit more quicker. So when their match came up, there was something off about their match. As much as it was a masterpiece and it felt like Will Ospreay was ready for Zack Sabre Jr. And Zack Sabre Jr. looked and felt like he was one step behind Osprey. Osprey was countering Zack Sabre Jr.'s moves and even making innovations in the match with both of these guys going after each other. I know that they wrestled each other a lot of times. So they obviously know each other and their movesets. And both of them as individuals have grown and matured in the world of professional wrestling. Both of these guys have definitely grown up in front of our eyes with the countless matches that they've had. But in this particular match, Will Ospreay had the advantage over Zack Sabre Jr. being at least two, maybe three steps ahead of Zack Sabre Jr. It wasn't until somehow Zack Sabre Jr. broke Will Ospreay's nose during that match. I still don't understand how that happened, but it did happen. And Ospreay manages to win the whole entire cup from that point on with a broken nose. That's very commendable. But during that match with him, and Zack Sabre Jr., it was definitely a masterpiece of a match. And I kind of felt like Zack Sabre Jr. was off only because his focus was rattled right after the tag team match that him and Tai Chi had against the Gorillas of Destiny all the way back at the new beginning on February 10th, 2021. This was night one of the new beginning and after Tai Chi getting the DQ for his team against Gorillas of Destiny, I think that Zack Sabre Jr. did not know exactly what to do. So they put him in the New Japan Cup to prove himself, maybe to find himself. But at the end of the day, he couldn't overcome whatever worries and doubts he already had in his mind. Thus, he lost to Will Ospreay, which was pretty shocking. But yet then defeats a young lion, which is to be expected. And then Tai Chi coming back and saying that they're going to be reforming their tag team, the Dangerous Techers, and try to take on G.O.D. when they return to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Maybe that's a smart idea. Maybe it's not a smart idea. We'll see what happens in the upcoming weeks of Sakura Genesis and the road to Dantaku and everything else that New Japan Pro Wrestling has lined up for the many months to come in this year. The one thing that you cannot take away from Zack Sabre Jr. is the fact that he is still one of the best technical wrestlers in professional wrestling. Now, let's talk about Will Ospreay versus Shingo Takagi. This happened on March 21st, and this was the conclusion of the New Japan Cup. And this match is definitely match of the year and definitely match of the month contender as well. I am very impressed with Shingo. I never really got the chance to sit down and watch a Shingo match. So watching him in the New Japan Cup, along with the preliminary matches that they have before the New Japan rounds come up, he's a very talented wrestler and he's very good in the ring at what he does. And being the age that he's at, which I saw online that he's like 38 and he's in great shape. Wow. Congratulations to you, Shingo, for being number two in the New Japan Cup. And I would have never expected that we were going to guess a Shingo versus Will Ospreay in the finals of the New Japan Cup. You know, guys, I love Jay White as much as anyone else does. 
And he has proved it with his work ethic and his outstanding career. So naturally, I would just think it would be JY in the finals. And I had originally wanted, you know, maybe JY versus Evil or JY versus Osprey. Like that would have been a nice match. But unfortunately, New Japan Pro Wrestling was like, fuck everything you want. So as much as the match was amazing, B Priestley also did very well as the manager to Will Ospreay, doing everything that she can to help him out and distract the referee and do this and that so that way Ospreay can have a leg up in the match. The highlights of the match is definitely that counter that he did to Shingo's lariat in which he flipped himself over it just to land a move of his own. And then the 450 splash to Shingo on the table. Those New Japan Pro Wrestling tables are not the same as the ones that you see here stateside. Those are actual real tables and they hurt a lot and they take a lot off of these guys' careers. But both of them managed to have this epic, awesome showdown. And once Shingo was out of the ring, Will Ospreay calls in Kota Ibushi and tells him that the two championship titles that will soon be won is everything that Will Ospreay cares about. And he would do anything and everything in his power to take those championships off of Kota Ibushi, no matter the cost. He could definitely sell his soul to the devil and it wouldn't matter as long as championship gold is wrapped around his waist or hanging off of his shoulder so in his post-match comments even though he built a life with b and loves b so much he turns around and even looks her straight in the eye and he says that he would do anything even the people that he loves the most he would definitely hurt to show that he will stop at nothing to gain those championships on his shoulder or on his waist and then proceeds to do the cutter out of nowhere to be priestly there was a hush over the crowd i was even stunned the commentators were stunned and abushi in his white knight fashion try to go and see if she was okay and members of the united empire meaning jeff cobb and great okan stopped them from doing so and then in the end it was kota Ibushi and gabriel kid helping b Priestley to the back and then on social media we saw a little mini video of b unfollowing will osprey and following abushi after the events it was a really unexpected move that Will Ospreay will do a cutter to the love of his life just to showcase that he will sacrifice everything and anything to get those belts off of Ibushi. And maybe this is his plan all along. Maybe this is just a ploy. It's definitely an angle. Don't you guys dare make this into a domestic abuse angle just because you don't like Will Ospreay and B. Priestley. The first step in recovery for anything, if you guys want to let stuff go out in life and live a very happy life, is to admit that you just don't like Will Ospreay and B. Priestley. That's totally fine if you don't like the two. Both of them are two of the best regardless in this business. I'm not trying to sweep over any type of allegations, but allegations are allegations until proven that everything is true. So for the time being, we're going to refer to Will Ospreay and B. Priestley as wrestlers and characters playing an angle. 
Will Ospreay hitting the cutter on B was definitely not a subtle storytelling, but an in-your-face shocker of a moment. Who would have thought that Ospreay would have done that to be Priestley? Regardless of given any type of prior history or prior knowledge, because I myself do not know Will Ospreay personally. I myself do not know B. Priestley personally. So I will not judge them on prior situations that happened in the past. So aside from all the controversy that Will Ospreay and B. Priestley supposedly do on the internet, the internet was up in arms about this little angle. And I really do think this plays into manipulating Kota Ibushi so that way his guard could be let down because we do know that Ibushi is definitely a nice guy. However, when pushed to the very edge of his limits, Sleeping Demon arises and we see a different side of Ibushi when it comes to high stake matches. Jay White experienced it and others before him experienced that Demon Ibushi coming out when he was pushed to his very limits. So I do think that Will Ospreay knows what he's doing and eventually B is going to help Will Ospreay win the big one against Kota Ibushi unless Kota Ibushi can figure it out ahead of time, but I doubt he's going to figure it out ahead of time. So aside from me predicting that New Japan Pro Wrestling had their New Japan Cup 2021 press conference that wrapped up everything. We do know that April 4th come Rigoku Sumo Hall is going to be Will Ospreay versus Kota Ibushi for the unified championship title. And then we also found out who's going to be wrestling during Sakura Genesis. And then Will Ospreay had some words to say during the press conference. And it was just him reinstating that he would do anything in his power to get the belts off of Kota Ibushi and that the New Japan Cup trophy does not really mean anything. It does not mean that you're the best in the company. And Will Ospreay wants to be number one in the company. Will Ospreay wants to carry the company on his shoulders. And he definitely sat there and he called himself the kingpin. He looks like a kingpin anyway with that trophy on the table. So come Soccer Genesis April 4th, the kingpin Will Ospreay will be taking on Kota Ibushi for that brand new unified championship title. Does Will Ospreay have what it takes to beat Kota Ibushi come April 4th? Of course he does. The same way that Kota Ibushi has everything in his power and his ability to beat Will Ospreay. That match would definitely be another contender for match of the year and match of the month for April. Will B. Priestley be a factor in this match? Definitely. I see B. Priestley doing something to either distract Coda, if she's not distracting Coda, she might distract Osprey to drag this out a little bit longer because it is very short notice that Osprey does the cutter on B. B unfriends him on Instagram and is now helped by Ibushi and she's going to be by Ibushi for a little bit. It's a little bit weird because it wasn't planted as well as it should have. And it was just done for shock value, which is all good because sometimes if it's done for shock value, you can recover from it and make it an interesting story. So I'm interested in this angle. I'm interested to see where this goes because who would have thought in five years, Osprey is like, B, I love the title belts more than you. You know this. So I'm going to do a cutter on you and I'm going to go get what I want. I could definitely relate because professional wrestling is definitely my number one. It's my overall love. And I will put that in front of anyone just to get where I want to go. And I totally understand where Will Ospreay is coming from. Does Will Ospreay have 
the elegance of storytelling? No, he does not. But does he do it regardless? Yeah. And will he have lots of people watching this? He definitely will because he's always some type of controversy on the world of Twitter. So we'll see what happens in the upcoming weeks. We will not have another New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast episode until March 29th, the day after my birthday. That is right, guys. I hope you guys can help me celebrate on Twitter on March 28th, my birthday. I will definitely be turning 30 and I don't like it. In the meantime, I have some housekeeping stuff to do in the background. I have a website to build so that way you guys can find all of my work there and also find the work of my team, Ravage Lance Production. Ravage Lance Production was the first thing I worked on with my boyfriend. It is a gaming, wrestling, and writing adventure. And we have some gaming videos and some Comic-Con videos and some really good stuff over on Ravage Land's production on YouTube. And then I decided to start branching off of my own to create the Square Circle podcast and talk about professional wrestling because, again, that is my first love. So I'm going to have to do some housekeeping stuff in the back. This little tiny break from talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling will give me just that so I can write down my thoughts and make a wonderful website for you guys to visit. So keep in contact with me via Twitter at Marie underscore shadows. And if you definitely enjoyed this episode, make sure to give it some love. It will be available as audio over on anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast. And it will definitely be in video format on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash square circle podcast. Make sure to hit that subscribe button, turn on notifications, drop me a comment and definitely leave me a like on this video. I highly thank everyone for supporting me from the very beginning. You guys are all the best. Without you guys, I would not be here and be so passionate about professional wrestling. I'll still be passionate about professional wrestling. I love it no matter what. And I hope one day I can definitely work alongside New Japan Pro Wrestling and Bullet Club and work alongside AEW. I just want to tell stories. That's not a bad thing, right, guys? I just want to tell stories. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is all from the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys on the next one.